You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter, and I am so excited because today is a very special episode of Hashtag No Filter. It is our 100th episode, which is insane. I remember sitting here in this seat uh, exactly two years ago, and to see how far the show has grown and to see how the subscriptions have grown and to have you guys tune in every week has just been awesome and and crazy. I remember my first night here in studio freaking out. I literally had my guest uh, who canceled due to a family emergency and then my backup guest canceled due to a family emergency. Um, and, and it was just insane. And I was just like, damn it, this is a sign. This is a sign from God. I'm not meant to do this. Um, but if there was one piece of advice my mother's given me that I've really taken to heart, it's that any obstacle that's placed in your way is really just there to prove how badly you want something. And here we are, a 100 episodes later. And I just remember envisioning this and picturing this show. And I knew from day one exactly who I wanted to be on this episode. And I'm so excited to get with her tonight. She's written several New York Times bestsellers, currently working on her 10th book. She's also producing uh, Return of the Mac with Joey McIntyre on Pop TV. She's the president of Generation Rescue, and she hosts the Jenny McCarthy Show on Sirius XM. Please welcome one of my mentors, the multifaceted Jenny McCarthy. Hi, Zach. How are you? Congratulations, 100? I know. It's crazy. I can't believe I've been here for a hundred weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually can. I could tell the moment I met you, you were totally destined for this. Oh, I mean, I was but literally like 16 or 17. And I was Yeah, like, you were. You were so young and so wise. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me at all that you've got subscribers more and more and they love you and you're just such a good person and you have such a good soul and I'm so proud to have you as part of Generation Rescue too. I hope you never leave us, but I hope you fly. (laughs) (laughs) I told Candace, I'm like, that's it. I'm here. Like you are going to have to drag me out, (laughs) clawing out on the floor. (laughs) I don't think we could ever find anyone better. So I loved your mom's message, by the way. That was great because that reminded me of my entire career. I know. I read the the Forbes piece today. It was so good. It really resonated with me. And it's funny because there are so many things that I just remember manifesting over the past couple of years or just within the past year that have really started to come to fruition. And I'm just like, yes. holy shit, this works. You know what's crazy about manifestation? Because I do love it and I teach Evan it all the time that we're such powerful beings that we can manifest whatever we want. And the thing that I have to remind myself is that I have a certain clock that I want things to appear, mm-hmm. and the universe has its own clock, or God. Yep. And I've time and time again, I always say, oh, it never manifested. But it does. It just doesn't manifest on the clock yep. that I want. Not you on know your what time. I mean? Yep, yep. So, um, like, I remember making a vision board when those things first came out, and Oprah was, like, all about it. So I cut out all the magazine pieces, and I put an autism school up there. I mean, I just put everything up there, starting a vitamin line, you name it. And I looked a year later, and I was like, nothing's happened. Okay. And now looking back, I go, oh, my God, I did everything on that list, on a, on a poster board. So just a reminder to people that 
you know, just have patience. And it's a reminder of myself, really. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I remember, you know, writing things years ago or even the past, like I, I was talking about this, I think last week on the show, um, how like two, a year and a half ago, I remember coming up with like my dream list of what I would want my career to look like. And I was like, okay, at some point, like I want to land like a good gig with like a good media company. I was like, you know what? I would love to work with a company like Pop Sugar. And I wrote that on the list. And then just last last month or over the past couple of weeks, I have I got a contract with them and now I write for them full time and it's Oh my like, god, I'm so happy for you. That is a perfect home. It's just been crazy and I was like I put like pop sugar. I didn't mean I was actually wanting to work there and then it happened. And it's like it's crazy how if you really have the right intention, you can manifest all of it. Yes, and I want to include this, which is you can't just like manifest it and then be a couch potato. Yep. You have to put some type of action you have to put the hustle. It. Even if it's like, you know, Facebooking, boy, I'd really like to do this someday. Just yep. getting the word out there, then it attracts, it kind of like to me, it activates your manifestation. Absolutely. So don't just sit there, actually take action to see what will happen. Absolutely. Okay, so I have some fun icebreaker questions that I make every guest answer when they come on the show, and I want to throw them at you, okay? Okay, sure. Okay, first one is, what's one word your mom would use to describe you? Tomboy. <laughs> okay, what's one fact, one fun fact that people wouldn't expect? Um, I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's fun, but it's the truth. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay, what's your drink of choice? Ooh, do you mean alcohol? Yeah. I think you do. I've got to go. I've got to go with the Cosmo. Cosmo. Okay, that's a classic choice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, most embarrassing moment that you've learned from? Oh, jeez. Most embarrassing moment? I've got so many. I think you've kind of laid them out in all of your books over the years. <laughs> I have so many. Um, I guess I've learned from live television, since I do so much of it, mm -hmm. that you can never do enough homework. Yep. You can never do enough prep. Um, I mean, look what happened to Mariah Carey. I know. When I was posting New Year's Eve last year. It's like, there's proof. There's, you know, you can never do enough prep and homework. And I've been on live TV where the teleprompter goes out or I can't see the teleprompter because I'm blind and old now. And, and you have to improv. You know, but because I've done my homework... It allows me Smart. to be able to pick up wherever the teleprompter broke. Do you think they'll so ever think have Mariah back on? Uh, I don't think Mariah would ever come back <laughs> on. Um, I think that she learned a valuable lesson, mm -hmm. which is homework, and also bring your own, you know, learn music. your own songs. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the song you want to lip sync, not the song that just has the music track. All right. Okay. And last question. If you could be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would it be? Oh, God. That's a really good one. Right? That's my favorite one to ask people. Oh, God. They don't have any pets, do they? <laughs> they um, I think they do, but they, like, switch them out like hair extensions. Honestly, I've, they have no, like, itch, like. I remember Kim got a dog from a guy once. I'm like, the pets go out, like like you said. Right. I would have to say, um, I, does, does the mom count? She's a general. Yeah. Like it, Chris okay. counts. I think I have to say Chris because of her multitasking 
and her kind of entrepreneur management skills. I love it. I, I think she's a great choice. Everybody always picks Kendall because they think she's the prettiest or the most popular right now. My pick is Courtney because I just think she's crazy and I love her. Oh, that's so funny because Donnie likes Courtney too. Yeah. And, but everybody I've heard says Kylie because, mm. I mean, her face manufactured, but who's <laughs> talking, um, you know, she's beautiful. Like, yeah. she's manufactured beautiful. Kendall's a natural beauty, but yeah. I still think Kylie's prettier. I think Kylie's pretty. I think people don't, they don't like that she is so manufactured, but I, I mean, I think if she's happy, then you know what? Let her do her. Absolutely. I agree. Now, circling back to your Forbes interview, I want to talk to you a little bit about your career because that's what the piece was really on was about how you started off doing Playboy and you've really kind of grown and transitioned your career over the years. You transitioned into MTV. You then uh, started doing acting and writing books. You became an advocate for autism. You started Generation Rescue. Like you've really had a multifaceted career and that's not always the the norm in Hollywood. Were you ever afraid of changing your path? Did you ever worry about making the wrong step? Um, every single day uh, in the past. I, I mean, it was. it's always terrifying when you're in the entertainment industry because the chance of you being unemployed is usually all the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you think about the amazing actors and, you know, people out there that are you don't really see anymore. It's a shame, but it's, that's why I always say I'm so incredibly blessed that I'm even still being able to work in this industry. Um, but it's, you know, not by all luck. It's also by design. Meaning when I first moved out to LA with my little dream, (laughs) um, I was, all I had on my resume was Playboy Playmate. And that was to get me out of Chicago. I had no money. I just dropped out of college. I was $20,000 in debt. So it kind of paid that off. It got me to L.A. And then I remember literally standing um, on the balcony somewhere in L.A. And I just got there. And I said, okay, what do I want to do? What's my first step out here? And I said, it would be great to show my real personality or my fun side. Yeah. Because people aren't going to take me. They're only going to they're going to stereotype me immediately when they see Playboy Playmate. Right. So I said to myself, it would be great to get a job on like MTV, where I could be a VJ or something like that. Mm-hmm. And literally the next day, I heard about MTV having uh, an audition for a female game show host, and I was like, oh my god, this is so good to be that I just said it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we called and I tried to get an audition and they refused to see me because I was a Playboy Playmate. So I crashed the audition and got through many, many final uh, calls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of busted me at the end and they said, wait a minute, you're the Playmate that kept calling. <laughs> I said, yes. And they wound up giving me the job. And, uh, you know, it was such a huge success so quickly. Yeah. You know, I know that the younger generation doesn't realize it, but I actually had the Kylie Kendall fame for one year. Yeah. <laughs> and it was overwhelming. I mean, I was just selling polo sausage the year before in <laughs> Chicago. And within a matter of a few months, it was the cover of Rolling Stone was my first cover. So it was a lot to take in. It was overwhelming. Um, I didn't feel like I even had my bearings set yet when mm-hmm. I moved to L.A., I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I knew I loved hosting. 
Um, but I just kind of followed what was coming in front of me. And, yeah. you know, it's like it's an opportunity of a lifetime, and you don't know how many times those doors open. So you kind of, you know, go through the door. So what was handed to me next was some acting, and I thought it was fun. It just didn't feel right. Like, right. my favorite thing was to be myself. Um, so after, a, I don't know, probably seven years of being held by networks and paid a lot of money to sit and do failed pilots, yeah. I decided to switch, and I told my agent I want to get into hosting. I said, I'm, I miss it. It's me. Um, I just feel more comfortable. And then I also had my son, and I uh, wanted to be a mom, and I wanted to stay home a little bit more, so I started writing books. And I put that intention out there. I said, you know, I better really make myself useful and resourceful in this industry, because if I'm just one thing, I'm going to be stuck. So I need to have some power behind me. And how do you have power? You have, uh, you know, your writing skills. Mm Mm-hmm. Writers are so desperately needed. Um, if you watch any sitcoms, you can probably yeah. tell. But um, I just started writing. I didn't know how to write. I failed English in college. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Same here. But I just wanted. To, I just felt like, you know what? Why not try? And that was my big motto. Why not just try? If I suck, I fail. Whatever. Just keep going. So my first book, everyone turned it down. My even my own agent turned it down all the publishing houses, and I got one letter that said, we'll give it a try, and it was for Belly Laughs, Mm -hmm. and uh, I went out with it, and then it was a New York Times bestseller. And it's still a hit today. Sorry? I said it's still a hit today. I forgot who I I just saw on, like, E! News talking about uh, they're expecting a baby, and they're like, yeah, and I read Belly Laughs by Jenny McCarthy, and it was the funniest book, Kelly Rowland. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I love Kelly. She's come up to me a few times. I love, love, love her. And, you know, that was a real blessing because um, I didn't know it at the time, but by that book being a bestseller, it allowed me in the future, which was just a couple years away when my son was diagnosed with autism, to stay home and, you know, take care of him. What people don't realize maybe that with autism, early intervention is really everything. Um, you know, you want to you want to do as much as you possibly can, and I knew I wanted to. So if I went out and did acting or, you know, got on, signed up for a sitcom, I would have been in trouble. I wouldn't have been able to do half the things I did for Evan. So by staying at home and writing really um, helped not only Evan but me. I got to be the mom I wanted to be. And in that time, I had to decide whether or not I was going to take autism on publicly. Yeah. And just so people know, like, there's a, there's a lot of celebrities that have kids who are on the spectrum, but they who don't want anyone to yeah. know. And I respect the hell out of that. Because yeah. I understand what that feels like. Just by, like, going out in public, you get stared at. So imagine if there's something wrong with your kid. Do you really want people staring and pointing or making fun of them because they know? Yeah. So I had a real come to Jesus a while ago, and um, and that was basically saying to God, you know, if you help me figure out how to heal him, I'll teach the world how I did it. And by golly gee, I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote, um, I think, three books on autism. I yeah. toured the country. For about three years, I talked to over 
probably half a million people face-to-face hearing their stories. And um, by that time, I was like, okay, I'm going to burn out if I, because I was taking on everybody's stories and their pain yeah. and some of their bills it's and heavy. buying whole food cards. And I was just getting so sucked into it that I had to kind of take over in a different way and uh, more globally, if you will, mm-hmm. instead of personally. And um, Generation Rescue was there for me to do just that. And that's where I said to myself, where do we need help in the autism world. I mean, as you know, Zach, we need tons of help. But the one thing that no one else covered was uh, medical intervention, financial help for low-income families. And I thought to myself, oh my God, if it costs $80,000 a year out of pocket to take care of a child with autism, like what does a mom do that can't go and do a cheesy commercial like I can? And it broke my heart. It broke my heart thinking about the moms going, I just, I need to get this therapy. I need to get this therapy and I don't have the money. So that's when we decided to start our grant program at Generation Rescue. As you know, Zach, because you've been helping us. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's something I'm so incredibly proud of. Like, I can see when I'm, you know, on my deathbed someday and someone says, like, what are you most proud of? I'm going to go, the grant program at Generation <laughs> Rescue. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so awesome to see these families, and, and and you've seen it, where you see them at the beginning of the program, where you see this broken, fragile mom, and then, you know, we catch up with them a year later, and, and you see their kids come to life, and it's, I mean, it's an experience that I can't even put into words. So true, It's and it's addictive. It's, mm-hmm. you, you go, how could I do anything but this? You know, I got to keep going. And that's where, you know, Donnie, fortunately, has come into my life, too, as a guardian angel, because he helps raise so much money. So yep. much money. People actually want to see him. You know what I mean? There's yeah. so many people that want to see me. I mean, that's live. the thing. Last so, year, his concert raised, what, 700000 That's crazy. $700,000 in one night. That's insane. So that was a lot of help that we got a lot of families. So oh. I'm really grateful. Like, I keep getting blessed. Blessed, so, blessed, blessed. So I I, I want to know, so speaking, I mean, you've been so vocal and always been so open. You've really taken a beating in the press over the years. Yeah. So what do you think that they've really missed the mark on? Or, or do you think it's just that the media isn't willing to embrace influential women or women that have a voice in Hollywood? You know, I don't know if it's gender specific. Okay. I think it's, for me, anyways, for me, it's it's topic specific. It's absolutely, um, you know, controversial in their eyes, and it's it's if if I put it on a big scale and put it right out there, it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. I say follow the money, and maybe people don't really understand that, and I beg them to look deeper. Um, I had no idea, you know, that most, you know, if you think about it, and let me just put it out there like this, the whole vaccine issue, I remember early on saying, okay, I've said nothing but we're not Mm anti-vaccine. There's no way anyone 
could label me as anti-vaccine because I've said it in every single interview, and I really have. Like, you can go online and every interview I go, we're not anti-vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. But the other side, I'm going to call them, and the other side is really big pharma. You know, they have Mm -hmm. uh, created a really great campaign of having people believe that me and our community is anti-vaccine. And it's such a shame because it's very polarized thinking. Yeah, and it immediately dismisses the argument. Completely dismisses the argument. It's... It's that's what breaks my heart about it. It doesn't break my heart that people call me mean names. I can take it. My my skin is thick. I've been dealing with it since Playboy. Mm-hmm. So I know that there was a reason why <laughs> I was given what I was given. But the, the thing that breaks my heart is like, I feel like people need to wake up and say, you know what? Maybe she's right. Where is the gray area? Right. Remember gray? Remember it's between black and white? We are allowed to have a gray area. Actually, we're not allowed, if you've noticed. Yeah. We're not allowed to have it's it. But we need to be allowed to have it. We need to be able to ask questions. And to stop a conversation and say the science is done, period, end of discussion, to me, that should worry every single person out there. Really? End of story, end of discussion, the science is done, Yep. No. Science is never no. done. That's the frustrating part. So how do you think you were able to bounce back from that? Because we've seen celebs come out and they have that controversial brand and they're immediately shut down and they can't rebuild their career. But you then went on to, to host New Year's Rock and Eve with Dick Clark and uh, The View. And now you have your own show on Sirius XM. So what do you think? How were you able to kind of keep going despite all of the backlash? Well, you know, I am not without my own dead bodies, so to speak. I've been let go of many campaigns. I've lost quite a number of appearances. I've lost quite a number of jobs. And I think maybe the difference between me and the other people is that, and this is me guessing, I have a baby to feed. I have a child with special needs that I've got to, you know, take care of. Mm -hmm. And I was a single mother all those years. So there was no no. I had to keep going no matter what. So um, I just, I literally was the juggernaut. I just, if you said no, I turned right. If they said no over there, then I turned left. And I just kept going until um, I found jobs that that connected to who I want to be and who I am. Speaking of, you found yourself a good man. I really did. I I never thought it would happen. I thought I was going to honestly, you know, either live with my sister (laughs) alone. But um, I can't even, I can't even believe it. I mean, that God blessed me with this man. I mean, Donnie has been the most wonderful stepfather, the most wonderful husband, so supportive, so giving. I can't, I mean, every day I'm always in shock that I found my Prince Charming. Like, I always thought those couples that were so happy, that were so in love and kissed each other all the time were faking it. <laughs> like, I literally thought I would go, just drop the act. Like, right. it's not real. Those are in movies. And I am that person now. Like, you know, we're 
three years strong, and I am still getting butterflies and giddy when I see him. How did you know he was the one? What made it different from any of the other guys you've dated? Well, just before I met him, I was coming off of a one-year... I don't know. I have a term for it, but I might not use it on your show. <laughs> Hashtag no filter. <laughs> cock blocking. I cock blocked myself for one year. So I literally said this year is going to be for me and I'm not going to try to fill it with romance or chastity sex. belt. Yeah, literally. And I wouldn't even go on a date. I'm like, if any guy says, you know, I want to go out, I'm going to say, no, I'm just going to take care of me. And in that year, I really did some amazing work. I went into therapy, even though I didn't really feel like I had a thing to work out on. I just wanted to look in the chest of the past to see if there was anything. And of course there was, you know, I think everybody has something and it was the greatest thing I ever did. I discovered, you know, some old wounds that I had to heal. And once I did that, I was able to what people call love themselves. I really kind of felt uh, a shift inside of me, and I knew, I kind of had a feeling I was going to now manifest a higher vibrational man into my life, someone that more represents who I am now, who is a mirror, a reflection of my higher self, and um, then came Donnie. And at first, I had no idea he was was married or not. Like, I thought he was married when Mm -hmm. I saw him on Annie Cohen's show. And then uh, when I, he, he came on my VH1 show a few months later, and I did research, and I thought he was single. And I was like, oh. Mm, time to make a move. Here. <laughs> and then uh, once, I, once I had him on the couch and had a conversation with him and looked into his eyes, I was done. I knew I was done. I knew he was going to be my husband when he was on my VH1 show. <laughs> so how do you guys, I mean, you have a busy schedule and you're constantly back and forth. You're in Chicago and New York and he's back and forth with blue bloods and new kids. And how do you guys keep it strong? How do you guys keep it hot? We make sure that we are always um, with each other as much as possible. We we have a rule. We have a, uh, we call it a 12 day rule, but we've never made it past seven days. Mm-hmm. Because after 12 days, the thing is it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't like uh, when you're when you're totally in love, you really miss the person and it hurts. But after twelve days, you can still love that person, but it doesn't hurt as much. And I don't want that or never wanted that to happen. So we have that rule and we try to plan things out so we can see each other. And now that he's supporting uh, us more, I'm allowed to say no to a lot more jobs now. I mean I've been mm-hmm. offered um, you know, sitcoms to do after radio. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? Yeah. I'd rather be with my husband and the love of my life and spend it with my son. So it's really a matter of when people say marriage takes work, it does. You absolutely have to make sure that you are present with each other. You have date nights, you shop at a sex store and <laughs> keep it hot. <laughs> so what do you think is the sexiest thing your man can do for you? Sexiest what do I need to be looking man- for? And is it sex or romance? Are you talking sex? Um, give me both. Okay. Hmm. God, Donnie does romantic things all the time. Um, <laughs> okay, Donnie so keep romance alive. Does... Sorry? I said keep romance alive. Yes. So Donnie um, sends me flowers just because, they say. Just because. And just he does that probably every four months. 
Like, I'll open up the door, and there's roses, and it says, just because. That's sweet. That, to me, is so romantic when you get surprised. Like, guys don't realize that it's just how, how powerful flowers can be. And they're just flowers. And just the little note that, like, that they're thinking of you. Just that. That's it. Yeah. Just because. And then sex-wise, I mean, the man can do no wrong. He turns me on <laughs> in every possible he, when he, like, sings to a song in the car, you know what I mean? Like, most of us sound awful or think we sound great. He actually sounds so sexy and awesome that I'm freaking out. I feel like I'm front row at his concert. <laughs> they have some sexy it, moves. Does he, does he practice those moves at home? He doesn't really practice them at home, no. But I beg him. Like, when we go out, like, drinking or dancing, I'm always like, dance. Dance, 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 dance. He's like, oh, my God, Jenny. I'm like, I can't help it. It's just so hot. I mean. I know. I remember my first New Kids concert, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is Joey McIntyre doing to me? (laughs) I love it. I know, right? It's just so hot. And they're on tour all summer, people. So if you haven't gotten tickets yet, go to nkotb.com because it is an amazing concert. Yes, you can get tickets and you can get tickets or uh, you can get after party passes to Donnie's concert in St. Charles, June 19th for Generation Rescue. Last year, we raised 700000 This year, I think we can raise more, right? I think we can raise more, too. And if people are fans of his or mine, I mean, that is the one I would say to try to get to. It really does help our organization, but it's also like a real after party where we are going to drink and dance and get and just have a blast with you mm-hmm. not stare at you party with you <laughs> i love it so if you guys want to buy after party passes go to generationrescue.org slash donny um so jenny to close out the show i want to know you're talking about what you have a new book coming out what's what's next for you what's the book going to be about and what do you think you know is is the future goal? Um, you know, the book is, it's definitely getting there, but (laughs) it's probably going to take me another six months to finish. Um, it's very personal. So I'll have to not really explain what it is, but it's not a comedy. A teaser. Okay. It's touching on some, um, really personal, you know, issues that have kind of happened in, manifested in my life personally that I haven't really talked about before. Okay. So that's going to be a big one for me next year. And then the fun side is I have a lemonade vodka drink coming Ooh. out. You know, ever, whenever I would go grab like skinny girl yep, and not to kind of crap on hers by any <laughs> means, cause it's still good, but there, it felt chemically and you know, all about our organization, even though we like our vices, mm-hmm. we want to try to make it, you know, as healthy as possible. So I wanted to create a, a like a lemonade vodka drink that doesn't have tons of sugar in it. Cause we all know that gives us headaches and makes us fat. So, yep. um, I said, can we make one with water and stevia and lemonade and vodka? And it turned out so fantastic. I'm so Ooh. proud of it. And um, you'll see it this summer. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait. We have a we normally have a drink of the week every week on the show, and I think that's going to need to be a summer cocktail. Oh, yeah. I, definitely I'll be coming back to promote it when it comes out. <laughs> awesome. Okay, now last question to close out the show. What's one piece of advice you wish someone gave you when you were in your 20s? Mm, I mean, I'd have to go with the vanity one, which is don't 
lay out ever use sunscreen. Ooh. Okay. I'm, I'm going to put on my sunscreen when I leave right now. <laughs> Do it. I'm telling you, once you get over 40, you don't want that this skin. You just don't want chicken skin when you're older. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Jenny. Zach, I adore you. Thank you for all you do, too. Everybody, check out Jenny's show on SiriusXM, The Jenny McCarthy Show. Follow her at Jenny McCarthy. Go to Donnie's concert, generationrescue.org slash Donnie. Jenny, thank you so much for calling in. I mean, it's it really means so much to me how supportive you've been over the years. I can't wait to try the new vodka line. Of course. Of course. And ditto, Zach. You've been so supportive of me and our cause, and I adore you, and I just cannot wait to watch you fly. Oh, thank you. Great job. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. Don't forget to subscribe and listen every Wednesday. Listen on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, thenetworkstudios.com. We're everywhere and we're growing. It's 100 episodes down and we've got another 100 to go. Thank you guys. I gotta go, but I'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.